XX Equals is a focused, user-centered innovation collective within Canadi Ford, and this is our podcast. Our aim is to close the gap between perception and reality when designing for women. So jump in and join us as we talk to some of the leaders, experts, and trailblazers in this space. Hello, and welcome to XX Equals. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by the wonderful Sam Simister. Uh, Sam's day job um, finds her very occupied within um, the echelons of the Innocent brand. Um, but beyond that, we have um, news that Sam's going to share with us about her incredible new initiative, Gen M. But I'm not going to share any more. I'm going to pass straight over to Sam, who's going to tell us a little bit about herself, um, her role in Innocent and Gen M. Sam, lovely to have you with us. Hi, Merle. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So, yes, um, my name is Sam. I am in my 50s now, and my my background, I guess, as a scientist um, has always been FMCG. I studied food technology, biochemistry. I joined Marks & Spencer as a graduate food technologist in the Middle Ages, it feels now, but all those years ago. And it was a fantastic platform, actually, as a graduate, a brilliant company to, um, to start your career journey. And I was really lucky at m and I, um, I had a sponsor, which I guess, you know, if I was writing a letter to my younger self, I would be saying, look for a great sponsor. But of course, it just happened organically. I didn't think about it. And in those days, um, if you had a sponsor, you were fast-tracked, and quite quickly, I was offered a wonderful opportunity to go out to the States and to head up the uh, product development and technical arm of a supermarket in New Jersey that m had just bought. So I was still quite young. I was in my late 20s, and a one-way ticket to Manhattan. It was uh, brilliant. I mean, it was the making of me, both personally and professionally, but I loved it. I learned a lot. I made a ton of mistakes, but hey, I I guess that's the way we learn, as long as you don't make the same one twice. And I was out there for a number of years, uh, both at King's, but I also left and started my own venture. I worked out quite quickly, Merle, that um, I do have quite a strong entrepreneurial gene, uh, my my lovely parents used to say that's probably because you weren't very good at taking instructions. But um, I like to think it was because I was creative and had a had a free spirit. But I really enjoyed uh, identifying gaps and needs and finding ways to plug them. So I had my own venture out in the U.S. And um, after 9-11, I won't go into details now, it was such a tragic time. My business um, didn't survive and I had to come home. And I think that was the first time that I felt like a real failure, actually, because what I'd set out to achieve just didn't really uh, come to fruition. But I came back to the UK and at that time, a lot of my really good friends at M&S had left M&S and were doing various things. I spent a bit of time at Safeway before it was bought out by Morrison's. But one of my um, my buddies from M&S had gone into recruitment and she gave me a call one day and said, Sam, there's these three guys you've just got to meet. They're great. They've started this brand. They're really smart. They've got a brilliant idea, but they need a bit of expertise to plug some gaps. So I didn't think much of it. Uh, went along, 
and I met John Rich and Adam, uh, the famous trio of innocent drinks. And oh my God, uh, they, they were occupying one industrial unit um, on Brackenbury Road, just off the Goldhawk Road. And it was just one of those spaces, you know, well, I know you've experienced this, you walk into it and it just energizes you and it makes you smile. And everything about that brand was so positive and it was purposeful. That's what I loved about it. And I said to them, yep, I'll come and work for you for a couple of years. Well, that was 17 years ago. And I, I've had every job at Innocent from driving the grassy vans to having the privilege of traveling the globe and buying our ingredients to running supply chain on the board and the job that I now have, which is our future development and innovation board role, which sees me heading up R&D innovation and global development. So still loving it you know, brands still going from strength to strength. But I guess Gen M is, is really why I'm here today. And Gen M is also very purposeful. And I'll, I'll tell you a little about it, if I may. About three years ago, I was running Supply, and I didn't know this at the time, but I was going through the perimenopause. And it was a really rocky period for me, actually. But I didn't know that I was going through it. I was uh, having anxiety. I was losing my confidence. I was having a lot of symptoms that I now know are associated with perimenopause. And to cut to the chase, I got to the point where I was going to resign. I, I just didn't recognize myself. And it had really got on top of me. And I got through that period. And around that time, happened to come across a very good friend of mine, who's now my Gen M co-founder, Heather Jackson who is also going through something similar. And she is such a driven, successful businesswoman. I thought, wow, you know, there's got to be more to this than meets the eye. And after a bottle of wine in the sun, which is typically how lots of good ideas uh, come about, we decided that it was such a disparate landscape when you Google the menopause. It was so hard to find solutions to your symptoms to get any information that wasn't dry, we should do something about this. So we created Gen M, which is a site that curates the best of the menopause in one place. And coupled with our instincts uh, as a scientist, I also wanted some data around me. So we embarked on some research, which I know you've read the Invisibility Report, Merle, and it's available if uh, your listeners go onto our site to download, it's really compelling. Um, I mean, the data amplifies the voices of many, many midlife women who are feeling invisible, lonely, frustrated at best, because the perimenopause hits most of us like a steam train. And the lack of education and preparation is frankly quite frightening. So Gen M is purposeful. We want to make the menopause better today than yesterday. And we've got a fantastic year ahead of us, um, not just the site, of course, and all the great resources and, uh, and information we're pulling onto the website on a monthly basis, but with our campaign that we're launching in the summer, which I think is going to drive hopefully real change, uh, change the rhetoric and break this ridiculous taboo because it needs to be normalized. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I know um, we'll, we'll come on to sort of some of the initiatives that you have planned because there's some really exciting things there. But, um, but um, 
I'm really interested in this, in this, as you say, this taboo as to why this isn't talked about more, why it's so hard to find that information. And like you say, it's often not until individuals are actually um, undergoing, you know, these uh, experiencing these symptoms and, and these issues, uh, often without that level of understanding as to why, that it comes to the forefront. Why, why do you think this has happened in this way? Uh, well, it's a great question. I guess my experience and that from the women we interviewed, um, when you talk to your mums or the generation before us, you get a sense that they just ploughed on. It wasn't discussed. I mean, my, my mum certainly didn't discuss her menopause with me. And therefore, because the generation before didn't discuss it, my generation, our generation, we are woefully unprepared. I think the majority of us think that menopause will hit sometimes in our sometime in our fifties when our periods stop, and you know we'll just we'll just continue as normal. And I think because of that, uh, the generation before not discussing it, not educating their daughters, I suspect we are the first generation that's now sitting here thinking, "Hang on a minute, you know we haven't worked this hard to then be." steamrolled by something that if we are educated and prepared we can manage so that that's my my thought on it and speaking to many many other women um it's their their thought into and i think i i should probably also say that i'm obviously white um there are uh, other challenges across many ethnicities as well where in some cultures there isn't even a word for the menopause. It doesn't exist in their vocabulary. So I think my issue was because my my mother didn't discuss it with me. I think in other cultures, it's probably tougher in that it's not discussed. It's not, you know, it's not open for conversation. So my generation, Gen M, it's all about saying it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to have a conversation. And that's why we designed the site, not just to be for women and others transitioning or going through the menopause, but it's for loved ones, partners, work colleagues, you know, anyone that wants to understand a bit more about what a woman might be going through. And that's why the site is, is designed in that way. So my boss can go on the site and understand why, why I might not be feeding myself on any one particular day. You know, if you're a male and you're managing women that might be perimenopausal or menopausal, you can go on there and educate yourself so that you're in a better place to have a conversation. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? It's, it's starting that conversation. Yeah. And I think there seems to be a lack of awareness as well that actually it's not an inevitable path. That path can be heavily influenced by, you know, actions that you take and, um, and things that you do at various stages, you know, when, when you're at perimenopausal, for example, you know, in terms of making that, um, you know, actually equipping your body to deal with, with the changes that you're going yeah. through. And, and that's the point, you know, I think that when I look at Innocent, we have um, a population of about 500, 50-50 gender split, the average age is 31. We've got some phenomenal talent in our business. I do not want to see that wonderful population had the experience that I had. I just, I do not, and I won't let that happen. So Gen M is on our internal comm site. I chair and sponsor our women's group. Um, it's called FIG, Fairness, 
in gender. You know, I'm talking about it openly because I want women and their supporters to be prepared. It's so important. And, it, you know, interestingly, I was talking to a wonderful uh, doctor last week, actually, because we're building a wonderful network of advisors as we go on this Gen M journey. And she um, is a general practitioner that specializes in health of women over 65. And she started to do some research because she said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she said women at 65 plus fall into two camps. Those that still look after themselves, that want to look good, that want to be part of the conversation, that want to be active, that want to live well into their 70s and 80s. And almost those that have got so many challenges against that being possible. And when it when it boils down to it, her research has shown that those that are in the former camp, i.e. the women that are really living life to the full, they are the ones that educated themselves about the perimenopause and the menopause and did something about it, versus the second group that just were blissfully unaware and have just gone through life without that knowledge and support. I think that's fascinating. I, I, you know, so it's really important that women are educated early. It's not to be frightened. It's not something to be frightened of. It's just about education and preparation. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's fascinating. The fact that you know we have that level of control mm. in terms of of the quality of life for you know the the twenty years, thirty years, forty years post uh, post menopause and how much that can be affected. So. It's um it's it's hugely important. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier some of the initiatives at Innocent. What do you think workplaces could be doing to support their teams further and, and prepare them? And also, as you say, not just in terms of the individuals, but, but the knowledge sharing across a broader base to, to enable better understanding. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I, I'd like to say before I answer it, this is not a gender issue. It's a societal issue which I think is your point, Mel, but it's really important to state that. And I think businesses have um, opportunities and responsibilities twofold. They have responsibilities to their employees to say, look, you know, we've read a little bit about it. We haven't got all the answers, but we're absolutely prepared to listen to open up a safe environment to start having the conversations. And what Gen M is saying to these businesses that approach us, and many are, please use our website as a resource, as a starter for 10. I think that's all I would ask of businesses at this moment in time. Just step up to the plate, acknowledge that you need to listen, and then the policies, the, the procedures, the, the, um, the helpful um, facilitation that will follow but I think the first point is to accept that you you need to stand up and and at least uh, recognize you need to listen that's the employees I think the other um, opportunity and I'm coming at this from an FMCG space here but what our report showed us women are absolutely fed up and bored of feeling invisible and they are demanding more from brands retailers businesses in general, to notice them and to help them at this time. There are 48 symptoms in the menopause, through the peri and menopause. And when you start to look at brands out there, they all have solutions to these symptoms, to aid your symptoms in their portfolios. So Gen M isn't asking brands to develop 
menopause-specific products. They're just simply asking them to better signpost uh, their customers to this. And you, these sectors are massive, Merle. They're worth a lot of money to brands as well. So brands that are ignoring this audience are actually losing the opportunity to retain and grow their market share and, importantly, their loyalty to, to their customers. So our big initiative in the summer is to launch phase two of GenM. We are going to be um, launching with 48 founding partners our campaign that says we as a founding partner sign up to the GenM pledge to say that we've read the report, we hear you, we need to do more. Nothing more complicated than that. Sign a pledge to say now is the time. We're also launching at that time the first of our its kind, a menu store, which gives the founding partners an opportunity to then showcase their menopause friendly products in their portfolio. So the time poor, busy person can go onto their menu store page, click on an item and purchase it. And if you can imagine, if you're going through the perimenopause and the menopause, and you have got, let's just say, 10 of the 48 symptoms, having that resource there where you can research, click, buy in a, in a time efficient way, that will make a massive difference to the population. And that's what we're striving to do. And it's not difficult. We're giving brands, companies, those that are responsible, an opportunity to do this in a simple way and importantly, to test to learn because Absolutely. we've all got to start somewhere. Yeah, totally. And, I, you know, I think the idea of pulling all of that together in one place and tying that into the symptoms is is fantastic because, again, that's all aiding that education piece. I think, you know, at the moment in the UK, 18% of businesses are run by women. So going back to your point about how this isn't a gender issue, this mm. is a universal issue, this is a humanitarian issue, yes. that we need to be addressing this within those workplaces. And it has to involve everyone because, you know, 18% of businesses addressing this isn't going to solve this. No. It has to be, no. it has to be no. broader. And, you know, and it, it fits in with some of the, um, the conversations we've had about XX equals and actually making sure that the products that are being created to service the needs of, you know, of these women, um, you know, who are perimenopausal or menopausal, ultimately, there needs to be an empathetic element in the same way there was when you started this project with your co-founder. Um, just that level of understanding and, and driving um, and driving that that empathetic insight into what we're at, you know, at some point in our lives, you know, half of the population are going to go through. Absolutely. And it can last for 10 years for some women. It's a, it's a large chunk of our, our, our life. But absolutely, the point you make about empathetic listening, understanding, education, it's critical. It's absolutely critical. And the menopause is just one space. But it, there are so many other aspects um, to this that, that could have a positive outcome. And also, I think, you know, which you were you were alluding to, Sam, this, this ability that we all need to get, and I think we're actually all getting better at, just having uncomfortable conversations, mm -hmm. you know, and, and being able to have those, uh, those uncomfortable conversations in a safe environment. Yes. You know, they might be conversations that we'd be willing to have with a group of friends, but are we really going to sit down with our, you know, our potentially our husbands or 
um, you know, that the, in the work scenario and have those conversations, that needs to start happening so that there is that level of understanding and and um, and everybody can can actually benefit from you know from increasing the um, just the the knowledge and and uh, and sharing that and actually helping people who otherwise can feel quite you know bereft or or lost within this journey. Yes, I mean the report definitely highlighted how lonely it can be for many 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 women and the thought that women might be thinking of resigning or stepping away from a career that they've worked so hard um, to you know to get to this point that that really saddens me and that's one of them the drivers for me Um, that's why I'm doing this because it doesn't have to be that way and we cannot afford to lose the talent pipeline of women that are going through perimenopause there's too much talent knowledge understanding experience there that cannot happen. That cannot be allowed to happen. And this this is something we can we can control. We can take back control. Absolutely. I mean, particularly when you know within business, women are, are underrepresented to the level that they are often in those those senior senior areas of business. So it, we have to make sure we're doing everything within our power to to enable. Uh, enable enable everybody on that journey as well but I know I know Sam that you've got some incredible ambitions for for Genome and where you'd like to take it so what does success look like to you? We we have a um, we are very ambitious we've set the bar really high and you know me that won't surprise you to hear that. Um, I wouldn't expect anything else. We have a we have a working working title um, within Genome we want to be the Moogle um, of the menopause. So we have an aspiration to be the global resource for the menopause. It doesn't matter what country, what culture, we really want to grow this brand so that um, this site becomes known as the best of the menopause in one place. But importantly, we want to ensure that all responsible businesses sign up to the pledge ultimately and do their bit, whether it's for their employees or whether it's for employees and their consumers, so that together we can drive real change because we have to collaborate to drive real change. This cannot be done just by two women, Heather and myself in our 50s, talking about it passionately and throwing our energies in. We will continue to do that, but we have to onboard responsible businesses and anyone listening to your Um, podcast today, hearing me talk about it. Uh, I would love to share more with anybody that thinks this is for them and they want to learn more because now is the moment to do it. By 2025, there will be one billion of us in menopause across the globe. That's round the corner. One billion women. I mean, it's it's a massive number. It certainly is. Mm. And I think, you know, even if businesses aren't thinking about it from an ethical perspective, which clearly there's a responsibility to do so, I think you've also pointed out, Sam, that actually there's a business opportunity here as well. Yeah. You know, there's often the, the demographic we're talking about have disposable income. Um, there's, there's uh, you know, there's, they're under, underserviced in terms of the current offer. So clearly there's an opportunity there from a, a, you know from that commercial angle as well in terms of actually um, creating products which which answer the needs of women no in that question space. no question and women from our report women 
you know, do demand more, are demanding more. And loyalty, anyone that works in FMCG knows how important brand consumer loyalty is. And unless brands, the reality is unless brands step up to the plate and start listening and signposting, they will lose market share because other brands that do do that will retain it and will attract it and retain it. For sure, there is absolutely no doubt. So this is a huge market. You know, I I always quote this um, and it it shocks me every time I I hear it. But when you think in the UK alone, there are 1.2% of vegans and the amount of DME and energy that goes into satisfying that market, which is great, by the way, 20% of the British population are menopausal with no signposting and no activity. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So with my commercial board hat on, if I was a business, I would be, you know, definitely thinking, what more can I do to support Uh, this population, really? And and Sam, so obviously you you've been looking at this area for for some for you know for the last few years, and I'm sure you probably, as part of that, uh, you know, absorbed lots of holistic information about the the about women's healthcare on a broader level. What kind of changes are you seeing within that space? Um, I'm I'm reading that there is now uh, a movement of of women in science wanting to lobby to ensure more funds are put towards researching women's health. That's really positive um, because historically that hasn't been the case. So I think there's definitely a movement, but of course, so much more needs to happen for that to come to fruition. That's exciting. I think there's a job to be done as well, particularly when you look at who makes most of the decisions when it comes to investing in business and commerce. A lot of those decisions are made by men. So there's a there's a job to do there to um, influence and educate those decision makers around the importance of directing more funds towards women's health. But again, from some of the conversations I'm having with our wonderful um, advisory board now, there is a real um, excitement around a sea change in how we talk to young women, young girls about managing their health. I alluded to the the doctor that has the over 65s clinic and focus. But if we can start to have conversations with women, not just about their puberty periods, menstruation, but actually what the journey is going to be like and encourage them to be um, almost preventative rather than only looking at their health when they need a cure, then we'll have more women in their 70s on their mountain bikes or running or swimming in open waters. Certainly, that's what I want to be doing, right? You know. Definitely. Yeah, and I think you know we are seeing that 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 shift from from that um, healthcare space into that self care space. Yes. And and we're seeing that through, as you say, you know, there's there's a, a real um, sort of movement we're seeing in terms of things such as period trackers, uh, mm. you know, Clue and Flow, etc. Yes. But what yes. we what we're not seeing is that sort of longer term vision of actually how that's going to impact you in later life and and how you can manage that process. And as you say, thinking more broadly across all of those factors to ensure that we are the best version of ourselves. Well, I I couldn't agree more. And we are definitely talking to companies that 
can do something about this. Because again, a doctor said to me last week, you know, women are now living longer um, post um, reproductive years than they are pre. And my goodness me, that makes you sit up and and think about it. So we're we're talking to to companies that are very much focused on this because they have an important part to play, of course, um, in this in this topic. So um, there's lots to think about. There's lots to do, and we we are on. You know, we're only a very young um, company. We've only been live for six months, but I have to say the the, the engagement and the momentum and um, the positivity around Gen M is is really encouraging. Well, I think that's also a testament to you both, and and the fact you know that 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 energy and positivity is exuding exuding from you. I do also really strongly believe, from a timing perspective, it really feels that the time is right to do this as well, and to bring all of these these challenges and issues to the fore, and to start to actually address them in actionable ways that that people you know that are accessible for people. Mm, absolutely, absolutely, because. If COVID has taught us one thing, you know, we are we are now very much focused on how to best use our time, technology. Um, you know, that's going to be one of the positive gifts, if that even sounds um, the right uh, sentence to say about COVID. But uh, I think that's going to be one of the gifts of this this last you know 12, 14 month period, that we're now we're now more focused actually on on what makes life more efficient, effective, and so forth. So, Absolutely. And whether that's from, you know, the, whatever it is, the 2 million people who have downloaded the couch to 5K, one yes. of which is myself, through, <laughs> well to, done. through to understanding how we're going to have that better quality of life and how we can, um, you know, put ourselves at the forefront, as you say, and we know particularly with the balance, um, the balance shifting to home working, et cetera, all of those factors will, will play a really important part. They will, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Sam, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. And we really look forward to seeing your huge success, which I have no doubt is imminent, and, and seeing what Gen M brings to us next. Oh, thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you, Mel. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening, please rate, review and subscribe. And keep your eyes peeled for our next episode.